Hello and welcome to Shellfish. Yeah, hello. Happy New Year. Episode three? Yes, yeah, three. We're one day we'll be cover sketching. So this week is a kind of review of the year of 2015, now that we are in 2016, and we are two weeks into 2016. We are aware <laughs> it's deadline season. As previously stated, really don't do final year. Don't do final year. If um, you leave away with any message, it's don't do final year. Just don't. <laughs> um, so we're going to be talking about our favourite books of 2015. Yeah. that we've read they're not the three books that have been released in 2015 no. yeah it's a mix yeah a mixture mixture um, and there's some books there's some short stories some poetry some non-fiction we've got it all going on exactly and then we'll do a brief mention of what we're going to be reading in 2016 yeah and our you know resolutions and stuff for 2016 bookish wise Yes, a bit hesitant, still a bit rustier, this old malarkey, aren't we? Yeah, we're still not quite used to it. Um, we've attempted to be more structured this week. We've yes. planned more. Yes, indeed. So it's going to be less tangenty. Yeah, hopefully. Um, we each have our little list of yes. our favourites, and then we have a few categories. Yeah, so so basically, we've kind of generally grouped most, yeah. most stuff into novels, then short story collections, yeah. poetry... And then just kind of random. Yeah, so I've mentions. got I've got some honourable mentions. So I've got mm. some non-fiction mentions. Oh, non-fiction. Yeah. Old. So yeah, keeping keeping yeah. everyone on edge. Yeah. There. <laughs> pushing the pushing the boat out there. So 2015 was a kind of strange year for us because we were living abroad. Yeah. So and m- I didn't have the internet for a large part of it. Well, not a large part, but I had. Very dodgy internet connection. I would say a significant part of the year you didn't have internet. I'm just missing in action for most of the time. <laughs> so, Anna read a lot. Yeah. I, <laughs> Unsurprisingly. Uh, yeah. No, those golden days. Uh, Anna is also a lot more organised at keeping track of her reading than I am. We say or- you say organised. You have a spreadsheet. Yes, but it sounds very OCD. Like, I'm a bit embarrassed about my, o- like, a bit embarrassed about my spreadsheet. It's sort of like, you know, guilty. Pleasure secret. However, it has come in useful. It's, it's come cool. into its, its own. Great, it's great fun going through it. Yeah. The only uh, regret I have I've is I've had to that. scramble a list together off of my brain, which doesn't seem to function anymore. It was me just being like, you read that, didn't you? And that, and that, and yeah, that. That was effectively it, yeah. yeah. Thanks <laughs> to Secretary Anna. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, so um, only thing I regret is that I didn't actually write the page number, like how many pages each book had so I couldn't add up the whole pages at the end of the year because I think that would have given me... That would be me, quite a number. It would have given me such satisfaction. Yeah. So this year Although, my new spreadsheet... I have Different these. pages have different amounts of words on them. You know, like there's different <laughs> sizes and different font sizes. And okay, so I could... This year I decided I'm going to track page pages as well because why not enhance my OCD levels? It's very true. I have started a spreadsheet for this year, and there are already two entries. Oh, I've got, I've got good. a 2016. I think I have six books on it. Oh my god! I say books. I think I read a play. That's not really a book. Well, I read a play. One of my two is a play. 
<laughs> um, and so I've kind of generally scrambled together a list of the books I've read this year. I have six books so far in 2016, but one was very fast read. Okay. Doesn't care. Anyway, back to 2015. Yes. We'll come back to 2016 later. Yes. Um, what was your first kind of top? So we're going to go from, are we going from top to bottom? Uh, mine are not in a particular order. Oh, okay. So... Don't read too much into the order of mine. You can read mine, whatever you want into the mine, order of Annette. Mine haven't got an order, especially I meant more. I've got my favourites and then I have honourable mentions. So I have my favourites and then I have a kind of two vague groupings and then different categories. Okay, I'll start off with my favourite. Well, one of my favourites. So um, for Christmas, I got many bookish gifts, which made me very happy. And um, one of them was Fates and Furies by Lauren Groff, which um, I think was published in September of 2015. So it's quite quite modern. It's quite it's a new kid on the block. But um, it's gotten quite a lot of attention recently. It's um, been spoken about a lot in the bookish world, especially in like America. It's been quite bigged up. So um, I was really intrigued by it. It's about um, these two people called Lotto and Matilde, and they are married. And the first half of the novel is told from Lotto's perspective, and the second half is told by Matilde, and it's just, it's so good, like, all the stuff Lotto says then gets completely contrasted with what Matilde says, and it's just, there was, like, references to Greek mythology, and it was just, I just wanted to spend so the whole very day... very unreliable narrator. Not necessarily unreliable, because it's third person, but it's like, you have this narrator, and he will give you a side to the, um... To like the reader, which is things like oh, like little witty remarks. I thought was quite amusing. Oh, and um, so here's on my list of 20, well, I sort of was reading. like, I read this book, Simon. You must read it. And it's now next so, to my bed. Yes, and the language used is just beautiful, and it's like oh my god, like I just wanted to read the book all, uh, just wanted to read it all day long, which I did. Oh, it's such a good book. I highly when, recommend. When did it come out? September 2015. Okay, so it's a 2015. Yeah, it's book. 2015 book. Yeah. Okay. I definitely recommend. Awesome. Um, my top one of the year is probably Lolita by Nabokov, yeah. which I am aware did not come out in 2015. Um, but I've been, I kind of tend to try and catch up with classics. Um, I don't, it's relatively recent that I read kind of contemporary fiction. Um, and so I'm still kind of catching up with that, but I loved Lolita. I remember reading it in my tiny rubbish room yeah, in, in France, France yeah. um, on my Kindle because I couldn't take any actual books with me because I was moving around so much. And I loved it. It blew my mind. Um, just how yeah, the, brilliantly yeah. unlikable and unreliable and yeah. just such a great narrative voice. Like yeah. It's, I read it following Simon's recommendation, and um, like the language is so. It's not my list. Don't worry, it's not my list. <laughs> um, yeah, no, but um, the language like Nabokov uses is so beautiful, isn't it? It's so like grotesque but beautiful at the same time. Yeah, it's just. It's definitely worth. Yeah. You read it and you feel so ambivalent about everything that's yeah. happening. That's the entire book is like a complete grey zone. Like you just don't know. And what's going yeah, on what struck, morally? Yeah, what struck me when I read it as well is that um, it's kind of a mist, not a mystery, but there is kind of that. The second half of the book, there's this thing which happens, which I can't say without spoiling it. Yeah. But my dad read the book after me because I said it was a good read, 
And then dad just said, well, it was obvious what happened in the second half of the book. I guess who it was immediately. And I was like, oh, I did not. I didn't either. Thank you for that boost of confidence. Yeah, it's... It's, yeah. Such a good book. Um, I'm sure lots of you have already read it. Yeah. But if you haven't, you should. Yeah. So good. So that's my top book of the year, even though it's not from 2015, but still. <laughs> um, next, my book, this book doesn't come up. This is not from 2015 either. I actually don't know when it was published, but somewhere in the 20th century. It's um, A Movable Feast by Alice Hemingway, which is actually non-fiction, I've just realised. A text, is it non-fiction? Memoir? Yeah, I suppose so. Okay. Ambiguous non-fiction. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, um... To be fair, my non-fiction is also ambiguous. Okay. So, yeah, we'll go with that. But, um, I'm a big Hemingway fan, actually. I really, like, I read A Farewell to Arms a couple of years ago and really loved that, so, um... I just know I just really like Hemingway. I think his prose is very beautiful, and um, I don't know. I think the stuff he writes about is quite interesting, and particularly *Immovable Feast*. It's about it's about his time in the tw- like in the nineteen twenties, just after the war, living in Paris with his first wife and his like child, and it's about it's just the whole literary scene. Yeah, it's that's like going he meets on. James Joyce and Ezra Pound, and he talks about going to the cafe. And it's sort of a very intimate look. The Fitzgerald. Oh my God, the, Fitz, the Fitzgerald chapters is just wonderful. Yeah. The Fitzgerald chapters make it. It's, it's all of these. It's kind of all of these great literary figures yeah. who you kind of know through their writing, being described and discussed as yeah. people by another great literary figure yeah. in an incredible yeah. setting, like. And, Post-war Paris, so right. cool. It, and um, I don't know, it's, I think it's a very intimate look. Obviously, it's embellished. It's Hemingway, it's a novel. Yeah. But uh, It's very personal. It, it's very personal and it's very sort of, it's quite a heartwarming read, I find, even though Hemingway is... Um, it's not necessarily the nice. I wouldn't take marriage advice from Hemingway. partners. Yeah. Yeah, um, but, yeah it's definitely... Um, as you can tell, yeah. I read it. After, yeah, I made I read it and was like, yeah, after Anna's I made recommendation. So I was like, it's incredible. Like, yeah, it's really good as well. And it's it's quite interesting reading about Paris in the 1920s, just after the war as well, and how different it sounded. Yeah, not all at once. Exactly. Well, Hemingway also makes his way into my list. Yeah. Um, He's a great guy. So the American listeners, this book choice probably seems a bit ubiquitous. Like it's something that ev- apparently every single American has studied yeah, at some point a, in high school. High school text. I think so. It's quite. Oh. But in the UK, it's kind of everyone's yeah. heard of it, but it's not one that you've necessarily read. And after reading um, *A Movable Feast*, I thought, right, I quite like this Hemingway guy. I should probably read some more things by him. And so I read *The Old Man on the Sea*, and it was so good, so so good. I feel like reading it for pleasure rather than reading it for yeah. a course. So, some books you study them and they really open up and they kind yeah. of can take that kind of level of stru- of scrutiny. Um, and I'm sure the old man of the sea could as well, but I can understand why studying the book could in some ways spoil it for you. But reading it just for my own enjoyment, I loved it. I absolutely yeah, I, loved it. I read that earlier this year as well. Um, I really liked it as well. I think you won the Nobel Prize of Literature for that book and it's such a powerful little book. It's like, is yeah, it, it's so short, and yet so... Is it even 100 pages? It just leaves such a lasting impression, doesn't it? Yeah, it definitely is. Um, yeah, it's very powerful, and it's very... The ending especially is very moving. Yeah, it's just such, so self-contained, and yeah. so... He manages to, to convey so much through so little. Yeah, with his 
sparse prose. Yeah, and I'm I'm a fan of sparse prose, as you will probably tell from all of my choices. Um, so both of us have a Hemingway. Yeah. Um, and kind of inspired by each other's Hemingways. Hemingways. Um, so yeah, 2015 definitely the year of Hemingway. Yeah, yeah, I've got more in my pile as well. I do too. Want to get more, get more Hemingway in my life. And yeah, really, really great book. Won't take you more than an evening to read. I read it in one night. It's kind of like not a thriller, but there is. It's very gripping. It's very gripping, even though you need to know. Even though it is about effectively an old man going fishing, going fishing. But don't, don't let that put you off. That is that's not a good blurb for this. Yeah, I that. think how not to sell a book. It's about an old man and his boat. Yeah, but yeah, but it's really good. It's, it is oh. really good. I love how this is just me raving about all the books you've read as well, which I have read. Just being like, Wah. I know. Well, Wah. well, same with me and me with yeah. feast. Yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly. So that sort of nicely segues into what I'm going to say now. So the next book I really enjoyed this year is one of my favourites was The Accidental by Ali Smith, which. You haven't read? No, I haven't. Oh. Um, I'm not sure it's been said before, but I um, really quite like novels that um, have an interesting structure and form, which is sort of ironic because I've just written two essays about the form of two novels. Yeah. But um, this, The Accidental, was um, the first Ali Smith book I read, and it's about um, this dysfunctional family who go on holiday together, and this random girl arrives in their holiday house, and because the family's so dysfunctional, they don't ask who the, f- the girl's friend is. Like, they assume that she's a friend of someone in the family, but they never ask. So this um, girl, Amber, sort of worms her way into this family holiday. And it's just, um, it's kind of fascinating. Um, the chapters are split up into, um, like, each you get an insight into each character's head. So um, it's sort of stream of consciousness-ish. But um, read it in, like... A day and a half. I thought it was amazing. It was so like, you know, I just really liked it. I think it was summer. I was reading it, and it's set in summer, and it was just one of those books where it was the right time and the right place, and it was all just ticked all the boxes. But yes, definitely recommend. But obviously, don't read it if you don't like stream of consciousness style. So my one, my next one isn't. I don't think any of mine are stream of consciousness. Stream of consciousness. Stream of consciousness, my least. To be fair. Uh, but my next one, I think, will be Siddhartha by Herman Hesse. Oh, yeah. So my cousin gave me this book. Um, I know he read it when he was like 18 or something, and it really kind of informed his the way that he sees the world or whatever. Um, and it was really good. Really, really good. Uh, again, it's very sparse prose. Um, I read it because I'm a really bad German student. I read the English translation. Probably, would it be quite challenging in German? I think it actually would be quite easy in German. Oh, okay. I think it's, the prose is quite... I haven't read it n- yet. It's nice. I think it would be easy in German. Um, but I was given it the English yeah, copy. So it it really yeah. um, and it was really good. Really, really good. Again, another quite short book. What's um, it about? So it's basically exploring... It's about kind of... This guy Siddhartha, who is not, I don't, I don't think he is the Buddha because he meets the Buddha oh, okay. in the novel. Um, but it's a kind of, he's a Buddhist young man, uh, and it kind of explores his quest for self-knowledge, for kind of spiritual awakening. Ooh. His kind of 
It's really good. It does sound good, even though that's it's not... It's set in ancient yeah. India, written by, I think, Hermann Hesse is German. Yeah, he's German. Um, oh, he might be Austrian. Or Austrian. Okay, bear with Google. Yeah. So it's set in ancient India, written by a Germanic <laughs> author in the 20th century. Um, oh, he's a German-born Swiss poet. German-born Swiss poet. Well, he's just being ambiv- ambiguous, isn't he? Just deliberately. <laughs> deliberately difficult. Um... And it's really great. It's really, really great. Um, interestingly, for one of my modules, I had to read and really enjoyed um, a Senegalese book about the about Islam called The Ambiguous Adventure, L'Aventure Ambiguë in French. Um, I can't pronounce ooh sounds, so excuse my awful pronunciation. Um, and the kind of similarities between Siddhartha and that book were really striking. They're both, kind of both is religious awakenings very similar protagonists it sounds really interesting which is unusual because normally the very spiritual awakening wouldn't no inspire me to read it same here <laughs> it's kind of oh, it's nice though it's very introverted i suppose in a sense it's i don't know it's really really good it's a hard book to pin down um so genre bending so genre defying <laughs> but it's really great i don't think actually it got very much attention when it was published it was more than 1960s generation that kind of yeah it's got it's got its own like well since you've read it I've been more aware of people discussing it it's definitely got its own kind of status yes, in the with the Germans yeah so really really good um and yeah definitely definitely recommended reading if you haven't already read it yes um so my next one is where yes it's my last novel of the list sort of we'll discuss the other one later so this one is why be happy when you could be normal, which is by Jeanette Winterson. Um, this is about it's um again non-fictionish. It's a memoir again. I hadn't realised this. I've got two memoirs. How awful of me! <laughs> I don't think I read memoir until just now. Um, it's about um Jeanette Winterson's childhood in the 1950s. 19 actually, I think she's younger than us. I think it's 1960s. Yeah, she can't be 1950s. I think it's 1960s, and um she's gay. And it's about her coming out and coming to terms with being gay in a very religious household. And her mother is just, her mother is just on another plane. Her mother is just crazy and horrible and clear child abuse going on there. But um, the way Jeanette Winterson writes is so like incredible. It's just like, I was reading the book and just being like, how are you so clever? Why am I not like this? Yeah, no, but why... all I heard for about... <laughs> why? About no, an evening. Why yeah. can I not be like this? Like, <laughs> I was just... It's so... It's... I don't, wouldn't normally read something like that, but I read Orange is Not the Only Fruit early in the year, which is the novel, which is, like, her novelised interpretation of her childhood. So um, I would suggest reading them together or, like, and around the same time because... Good point, I learned that. I, re- I just realised that I've lent Simon. Oh no, lent Simon. Oranges are not the only fruit. So Orange is not the only fruit. So it's yeah. fine. He's not. He was looking alarmed. I'm sure that once I've read that one, <laughs> why be happy when you could be normal will wing its way yeah. right to the top yeah. of my Teresa. And why be happy when you could be normal is what her mother said upon Jeanette coming out. It's why be happy when you could be normal. So. It's the wonderful, wonderful reflection on our modern statement <laughs> yeah. in how not to yeah. parent. It's about, yeah. I don't even think it's 200 pages. Like it's a very slim volume. And yeah, it's really, really good and very captivating, yet 
alarming all at the same time. So on a kind of also on an alarming note, um, I read my first Murakami book this Ooh. year, um, which is Norwegian Wood, um, which I think is quite often people's gateway into Murakami, Murakami yeah. and loved it. Ironically, we read this at a similar time. Did we both get it for Christmas? Did you read it on your Kindle? I read it on my Kindle. I got it with my Christmas present from a parent in 2014. It took you a while to work out what the cover of the book was. Oh, the, if you look at the UK cover, it's a red cover with this circle with lines on it. I thought they were lines for the longest time. And then on the train they're, turned they're trees. To, and turned somewhere, I've just realised the lines are trees, aren't they? And someone's like, yes, it's obvious. It's like, <laughs> yeah. So obvious. No. But it was a really, really great read. Um, again, quite sparse. sparse yeah, it's prose. quite. Um, re- I mean, it's a, I've realised that all the two of mine are translations. Oh, yeah. And kudos to whoever translated them. Which I probably should have looked up. But really, really excellent translations. And again, Norwegian Wood is an excellent translation. Yeah. Um, it's kind of dealing with themes of First depression, love well, suicide, love, just kind of general. Yeah, it's, yeah, it is quite. It's strangely captivating as well, isn't it? Like, very it's captivating. About... It st- very much stays with you. Yeah, it's very. It's quite poignant, isn't it? Yeah. There are some weird bits in it, though. Definitely. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> if, if you've read the book, I think we all know what scene we're referring to. There are various strange scenes, but it Which is... Which apparently very typical of Murakami. Yes. Um, so Murakami is, again, a name that's going to feature heavily in my 2016 reading, I think, Ooh. as a result of Norwegian Word. It's quite interesting, because I thought it was all right, but it wasn't my favourite. Yeah. I would still read some more of Murakami, but I'm not sure if Norwegian would just... I don't know. Some of the characters... I don't know. Something about it wasn't quite... I found it rather annoying at times. Mm. Get over yourself. But maybe that reflects more my life <laughs> motto. Yeah, no, it, it was... Sometimes it is a little bit self-indulgent, maybe. It was... It was. I did read it quite quickly, even by my... Because I tend to read relatively quickly anyway. It is worth a go. Yeah, no, definitely one that you should at least be aware of. My turn. Yeah. Okay, so as you, I feel bad now because I've realised I've read quite a few of Simon's, so I can just be like, I've read that, I've read that. Poor guy, being denied the limelight. <laughs> so, um, I'm not sure if I'm pushing. I'm not sure if this is the right time to say this because um, I really, I also read um, "Grief is the Thing with Feathers On" by Max Porter. Which is linked to um, Crow by Ted Hughes, which I'll mention later. Um, so, Grief is the Thing with Feathers On is, again, probably going back to my idea of doing weird things with form. It's sort of prose poetry slash poetry, sort of straight prose narrative. And it's about. Um, <laughs> that was. <laughs> That's an interesting list of, of because, words. Yes. So, it's about um, a Ted Hughes scholar or academic and his wife dies and crow personified from the poem comes into his house representing grief and it's all to do with how the children and the father respond and deal with grief like both literally and physically with the crow and so on and um 
it's sort of there are aspects of where it's written in prose and then more like poetry that like there's poetry interspersed throughout it and um yeah it's inc it's really incredibly moving and the ending is so sad and I cried and it's just it's really it's a really good read it's very powerful and quite an interesting yeah and a quite powerful portrayal of grief and what it's like to go through that sort of thing but yeah so my next one um is again two that are very linked <laughs> um so at the moment we're doing a module called francophone african fiction um yeah. which is as the title suggests um fiction written in the french language from predominantly west africa yeah although there is also a text from rwanda um which is in is he Central Africa. No, but he is West African. Yes. Yes. Anyway. Um, so I've been really, really enjoying these texts. Um, and so I've been inspired to start reading some more Anglophone African literature. Um, and so these two are probably the most obvious choices for Anglophone African literature, both um, Nigerian authors. Um, but if you haven't read them before, they are very powerful. So the first one I read was Things Fall Apart by Chinua Achebe, um, which is, again, <laughs> very, very sparsely narrated, yeah. sparse prose, um, really powerful. Yeah, um, I'd read this over the summer because it's, at, it's referenced quite a lot in um, the African text we've read, isn't it? Yeah. Like, there's a lot of mention to it because... I think it's regarded as like it's pretty canonical. Yeah, um, and I remember talking to Simon about it, and Simon was like, "It's just everyone's so horrible." I was like, oh, wait until the end. Yeah, no, there aren't many likable characters. No. In the novel, I like his and daughter. Yet, yeah. I forgot how it begins with an E. Yeah. Yeah, she's cute. Yeah, like. <laughs> but then it's very strange, but yeah. very interesting and very powerful yeah typically especially in terms of colonialism yeah and so colonialism obviously is quite an important theme of any kind of 20th century african fiction um and kind of colonialism moving into post-colonialism um and so kind of linking into that i read heart of the yellow sun by shimamanda uh Ngozi Adichie which was again amazing um and it's kind of obviously post-independence it's set during the biafran war um was it not a coup so biafra decided to declare independence from the rest yeah. of nigeria and this provoked a war there was already a coup there was oh, okay un there's various unrest there's lots of kind of not nice political situations yeah. going on. I need to reread this book. Um, because Anna read it when she was 13. I can't remember if I was 12 or 13, but I was very young. It was the first adult book I read. And There's I... quite a lot of adult content in the book. Which I don't... Which is bizarre, because I remember aspects, certain aspects of the book very well, but those I don't remember. Yeah. Maybe you didn't understand Maybe them. I just didn't understand. Yeah. But... Very, very powerful book. Um, again, um, uh, Adichie um, will be yeah. on my list of 2016 reads. Um, and I'm pretty sure that most people have read this book. But if you haven't, you really should. If, it, if like yeah. me, you are an ignorant 
who <laughs> has not read any African fiction. It recently you won. should. It recently won. There's the Bailey's Women's Prize, and it recently won the best of the best in the past ten years. So like, might even be a sudden reinsurgence of this book. It's definitely worth it. It's really good. It's I'm gonna really reread it in 2016 to notice all those things that I didn't notice age 12. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So um, my next one is a play. Whoa. And it's um, The Seagull by Chekhov. Now, um, I'm a big fan of the actress Carrie Mulligan, who um, I remember her as being in Bleak House, which is a great television adaptation if you haven't seen it. But um, Carrie Mulligan was in a play called The Seagull, and so that made me interested in reading The Seagull. And I don't really often read that many plays, but in 2015 I started reading more. And they've recently, yeah, it's a trend I'm continuing, I suppose. It's quite nice reading a play because they're quite fast, yet quite more powerful. They're quite often. powerful, yeah. And it's interesting reading all the stuff in terms on staging. But um, The Seagull is about, I'm not sure if I can describe this very well. It's sort of to do with um, this old family and an aristocratic family and the bourgeoisie and. Oh, the, oh my god, the ending. Oh my god, the ending. I was reading it and my mouth fell open. I was just like, what has just happened? So, uh, yes, definitely go and read The Seagull. I would love to see The Seagull. Like, okay, we'll get on to we'll that. We'll get on to that, okay. Yeah. So, I, my next one that I'm going to mention is, again, two vaguely linked things because it was very similar and probably less kind of... Highbrow. academic and highbrow than um, a play but I finished I read the last book in two series this year um, both of which were very kind of series that I had really enjoyed as I went along with I'd got very very familiar with the characters um, and so the first one is Bridget Jones so the final Bridget Jones book which is so good I would actually say bold statement I think it's my favourite your favourite Bridget Jones? Yes. So this is Bridget Jones kind of after. So Bridget Jones as mother, she has children. Yeah. She, um... I think it's commonly known that she's widowed. Like, it says it on the blurb, I think. Yeah. And it's how she's coping with this. But... Or rather not coping. And it's great. Um, and so yeah. that was one of my most enjoyable reads of 2015. Um, and then the other final was um, from the Tales of the City series by Armistead Maupin, uh, or Maupin, or how, Maupin, how, I don't know how Maupin, you say his no name. Idea. No idea. Um, who is, it's a series of novels set in San Francisco, predominantly following the LGBT community, um, these particular people, um, including Anna Madrigal, who is this fabulous landlady uh, excellent it, name she is great um obviously and so i the final uh, installment of this series i think was called the days of anna madrigal um and i really enjoyed it um it wasn't particularly adding anything new to the story it was just really lovely to be back with Aww. these characters who i kind of had grown to love and see them and kind of get some more background on them and we do find out more things about them um really great series the tales of the city series if you are in, if you just enjoy novels in general but particularly if you have 
interest in kind of LGBT themes in your reading, then really great. Yeah. Yeah, I read the first one. I haven't read the others. I get them from the library. I have them on Kindle. Again, it was like the year of being portable. (laughs) Yes, you did a lot of Kindle reading. I did. Did. Lots of kindling. I'm back to my bookcase full of books now, though, yeah. so I'm much happier. Uh, yeah. So, um, what are you going to be talking Um, You've kind of already talked about your poetry, or you've, you've built yeah, up to well, it. Okay. The drama- I know you've been waiting on tender hooks for this moment. So, um, my favourite poetry collection of the year. <laughs> I Obviously, I'd love it if you were waiting on Panda Hooks. I doubt you were. Don't worry. We should have done like a drum roll effect or something. <laughs> next time, next time. <laughs> We're not that fancy yet. Not that fancy. So, um, my favourite poetry collection of 2015 was Crow by Ted Hughes. Um, I haven't really especially read a lot of poetry. I did English A-level and we did some poetry in that. So, I'm not... I do like it. I just... I think sometimes it's a bit daunting. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily occur to you to pick up a book of poetry in the same yeah. way that it would to pick up a novel. And it's a bit, it's yeah. the same for me. And it's a bit daunting as well because I feel the names are less familiar sometimes unless you're looking at like the classics, like T.S. Eliot and Class and... Class or Class? Anyway, I digress. Um, Crow is about... Um, it's about the creation of the world told from a crow's perspective. And Crow is basically this, like... He's just a horrible person. I was going to swear then. I was like, he's just a gussy. He's just there critiquing life and just slagging everything off in the world and being really, like, bratty and horrible. It's wonderful. It's, like, it's really beautiful, even though it's it's just grotesque. It's just, it's very powerful. And there's lots of themes about, like, creationism and, like, myths and legends and all the Greek stuff. And it's really interesting if you are aware of those themes. But even if you're not, it's still a really good read. And yes, it also comes in a really nice copy. It's really nice. Yeah, which I now have on my bookshelf. And a purely, and a purely superficial level, it's beautiful. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely worth a read. Um, so my favourite poetry collection of the year, which I'm sure you were Drum just roll. just as Excited. eager to hear. Um, it also draws on kind of classical themes. Oh, there's um, a theme here, isn't there? Yeah, it's Brand New Ancients by Kate Tempest. So I've, we've already talked about uh, Hold Your Own, which was her yeah, more which recent... Is, which is one of my honourable mentions of um, 2015. Poetry collections. Um, Brand New Ancients is one that I read actually after Hold Your Own. And it is what, the form of one single poem, um, which basically talks about... It just draws parallels between ancient myth and modern British life. I haven't read it yet, I need to. And it's really good. On a more exciting note, really, really good. note even, um, Kate Tempest is releasing a novel this year in either March or April, and I'm so excited. Yeah, it's a novel that follows on from the storyline that she gives us in her rap album. Oh my god, I did not know that. Yeah. <gasps> so exciting. Yeah, so just such a mixture of mediums. and So so she's so talented she's really clever why can't she give me some of her talent I know she <laughs> seems really nice as well oh, nice is, and talented this is just a Kate Tempest rave yeah. <laughs> right okay so we are now are moving on to short stories we're now into the short story element of my list so um, I hadn't really read many short stories before this 2015 I've recently gotten quite into them and my favourite short story collection well, one of my favourites of this year was How to Breathe Underwater by Julie Oringer, or Oringer, I'm not quite sure how you say it. 
and these are I think there might be 10 short stories and they're all focused on childhood and how mean children can be or like it's really focusing on like the dark aspects of childhood like the sort of games you play and the sort of implications of them and they're all so like powerful in their own way and each of the stories has really like stayed with me and it's just so yeah it's really interesting and it's just such a I don't know it's quite a nice introduction to the short story as well because they're quite long about 30 pages 35 pages each so it's not as if I don't know sometimes people that short stories you don't connect with a character so you find it hard like harder to get into the plot line but these are quite long and I thought they're all really really good so yes go read yeah I only have one short story collection <laughs> to mention um and it very much is a collection it's really eclectic um it's tales of the german imagination from the brothers grimm to ingeborg bachmann um and so it's kind of various german authors i actually think german is very broadly used here it's german. writers yeah writers who write in german because oh, franz, yeah. Kaf franz kafka is included and franz kafka's story in here is so it just stays with you it's called in the penal colony by franz kafka and it is harrowing and can't wait can't wait crazy and messed up simon let this to me i can't wait and amazing and so this kind of this collection goes all the way from like i said the brothers grimm so the kind of fairy tales all the way through the german romantic movement or the kind of sturm und drang and all that kind of Ooh. kind of angsty German kind of it's all very dark as you can imagine from the German imagination <laughs> it's very dark but really really interesting but also very very weird <laughs> and if you haven't read much German literature this is it's in English um it is such a good introduction to kind of German literature in general because lots of German authors have released short stories um and they are very powerful it's a really mm. powerful collection i look forward to it and my last short story well i have two i'll briefly mention them both um i read saint lucy's home for girls raised by wolves by karen russell which um i wouldn't su necessarily suggest starting with this collection if you haven't read short stories before because they're all rather weird short stories like they're all kind of magical realism slash just weird like in one of them it's about a girl who falls into a shell wow yeah and oh and, and like and my favorite one is um there are these girls raised by wolves and they get taken in by nuns to be re-civilized and brought back into society and it's all like i don't know they're all quite quirky and a bit weird but like somehow the weirdness sort of enhances the overall like impact it's no, just it sounds really good it's they're all kind of strange like my favorite one was the one raised by wolves there's one where a group of boys um they go like sledging i think in a crab shell and it's all this sort of idea of like the weird mixing with the everyday sort of it's good but i also read the bloody chamber by angela carter and oh my god i love angela carter i wanted everything she's ever written because um, these were amazing. They're all like fairy tale retellings from a feminist perspective, and just wonderful. Like the first story, particularly um, a retelling of Bluebeard. I wasn't familiar with the fairy tale of Bluebeard. No. And it was such a stressful read. I had to read it all in one go. 
had to know the answers. There was no, you know. I need to borrow these. <laughs> so I have lent Anna some of my favourite short story collections for this year. Yes. Uh, mainly by Tata Janssen, the Finnish yeah. author. Um, so I think we're definitely going to have to do a short story, story collection swap. Yes. Yeah. So my next mentions are both non-fiction, um, which I don't necessarily read a vast amount of. Neither do um, But both of them I really enjoyed this year. So the first one is kind of playing with the genre of non-fiction. It's Berlin by Rory McLean. I think it did get quite a lot of attention. Yeah. Um, and it's telling the history of Berlin um, through these kind of... It's historical, but there's also aspects of narrative in that. There's some yeah. parts that are fictionalised, but then it's also you're getting aside from the author to give you the factual kind of basis for everything. It's kind of... It's really immersive. It's... <coughs> It's really quite accessible, isn't it? Yeah, it's very yeah. accessible. It's not... Sometimes non-fiction can be a bit dry, I find. Exactly, yeah. yeah. These are and really engaging. the chapter about David Bowie's time in Berlin, <coughs> which is very timely, yeah. um, is so interesting. And I had to go yeah. back and listen to all of David Bowie's Berlin-era albums again, Ooh. and it totally changed the way that I listened to them. Mm. So if you are a Bowie fan, then that is worth a read. Um, and then my other non-fiction, just briefly, was Freakonomics <coughs> by Stephen Leather and Stephen Dubner. Like, I know that they have more recent books out. I think the most recent one is How to Think Like a Freak. Oh, um, yeah. With the and mouse? they also, yeah, I yes. think so. And they also have a podcast, which is also excellent. I listen to podcasts too sometimes. Yeah, so if you want to listen to that, then very much recommended. The most recent ones have been about um, the gender pay gap, for example, the economics behind it. Very interesting. Um, but this book kind of shows you how economics can be used. I don't know anything about economics. Neither do I. To make this clear. How economics can be used as a tool to kind of better understand the world that we live in. So kind of a bit like the scientific method is kind of how to apply economic methods to answer questions that we have about and how to find the best way of doing things. They're often social questions, questions to do with crime, questions to do with... I mean, they there's an amazing chapter linking the drop in violent crime in America to the legalisation of abortion. <laughs> amazing. It's pretty it's so interesting and you don't have to understand numbers to read it because i very much do not we so, do there's a reason we do mention german there's a reason we chose the arts yeah yes. yeah and it's because maths does not like me you have to do a german exercise which was involved analyzing statistics and you could just tell how all of us were so the against room. just no, no we don't number no 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 so there's my they're my two yeah. non-fiction mentions yes so um I do have some honourable mentions, which I'm just going to say the titles of. Um, so I highly recommend as well um, Howard's End by Ian Forster, if you're into the classics. One of my next ones to read. Yeah, it's sort of a critique on bourgeoisie and working class. Really good, really funny, great. And also I've got The Department of Speculation by Jenny Offal, which I lent Simon. Yeah, another, another yeah, one on my 2016 yeah, list. It's um, I think it came out in 2014, 2013, and it's a series of anecdotes with a story like why the author's writing them like relating back to her husband it's sort of a commentary on marriage it's really really good and like again it's sort of kind of like poetry sensing a theme here again and then last but not least is housefrau by 
Jill Alexander Esbaum, Baum, I'm not sure how you say it. And, um, well, the main reason I read this book is because the blurb says, Anna was a good wife, mostly. So obviously I felt, well, my name's involved. I need to read this book. Yeah. And it's just... <laughs> I hope my life doesn't pan, pan out like that. But there are elements of it where I'm like, yes, I would like to be a Swedish... A, uh, you know, Swiss. a Swiss woman living in Switzerland, Zurich, with my husband and three children. Yeah, sounds great, great. However, it's quite a dark book, but it's just, I don't know, it was so engaging and so captivating, I highly recommend. And also on my 2016 yes, read, I thought of Winter, so I was like, you'd like this. <laughs> so yes. So they were my honourable mentions. Um, I don't think I have anything else to mention particularly. Uh, perhaps The Bees by Laleen Paul. I still need to buy this book. Honourable mention. Um, really enjoyed it. If you enjoyed, if you enjoy Atwood and kind of The Handmaid's yeah. Tale, stuff like that, it's kind of similar. It sounds mental. It's f- told from the perspective of a bee. I think it sounds so in good. In a beehive. Uh, and it's kind of a commentary on kind of fertility and what... And kind of how that affects. Is it her name Flora, like nine one seven? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so she's like, yeah. a number. She's uh, it's kind of references to class. To oh. it's very, it's kind of more sci-fi to be honest. It feels like a dystopian sci-fi type novel rather than a novel about a bee. But it's great. <laughs> oh, and you were so funny when you were reading it because Simon was like, "Did you know this about bees? Did you know this about?" Yeah, just... all the time. I learned a lot about bees. You were a hive of information. Ha ha ha. Yeah, no, it was really good. Yeah. This kind of links to like, our 2016 weeding goals. Yeah. My main one, which has already proved quite difficult, <laughs> is um, I, um, I'm trying to read 20 of my own books in my bookcase um, before I buy any more, which... Because I want to read a lot of the books on my bookcase. It's just I get tempted and by other books that I want to read. And I do need to read more of my own books so I don't just, you know, live in the library. I am catching up with more classics. And yeah, you're on a classic spree, aren't I you? I am. Yeah. Um, so I have a shelf full of yes, things. Yes, you do, yeah. Um, I'm admiring his shelves. Last night I read The Crucible uh. by Art Miller and it was amazing. Me and Simon really want to see the Crucible, so yes. we're gonna have to see the Crucible and the Seal at some point. Yes, all of the all of the theatre, um, and I, so I have so much to read, and yeah, I'm so, so excited. And I bought I bought two more books today. I have a problem. It was me. I have an addiction. I was the impulse. She. I couldn't buy the she books. She made me go so actually... into our lovely. We have a really nice independent bookshop here in Nottingham called Five Leaves, which is behind the works next yeah. to Primark. If you are ever interested in going. Um, and Anna was like, oh, we can just pop into five leaves, and I left with two books. I was quite, it was really good, actually. It was really hard to, I was trying very hard not to buy anything. She did so well. I was so, such a change woman. Yeah. But, um. I don't have her strength. <laughs> I think it was more because I was like, that sounds so good. This is so good. I want this. Um, but, so, although I can't necessarily, I'm trying not to buy any more books, or, trying to buy less books um i've decided i want to use the library more in an effort to save money because i am a student i yeah. should remember this and also to have a maybe a more portable life <gasps> yeah that too although i do tend to get rid of my books quite quickly i cannot get rid of books as shown by me saying oh simon i'm gonna get rid of a little life so if you want to keep it you can i keep all books he kept it yeah my aim in life 
later in life is to unpack all of these sad <laughs> sad boxes that will presumably have to be left in my parents' house <laughs> and unpack them and have a beautiful wall full of books. Whereas I will have a bookshelf and be like, these books I really, really liked. In a minimalist white <laughs> box. Yes. yes. So on that note, on that note um, yeah, 2015 was a good year for reading yes. for us, and let's hope that 2016 is even better. Yes, yes, and we'll share more with you. Yeah, same to you. Happy reading in the new yeah. year. So um, in the month of January, well, Simon's already read this, um, we're going to read, what's it called? The first? Gormenghast. So it's the, we're reading the middle one. So what's it called? Gormenghast? Uh, Gormenghast. I think it's actually called Gormenghast. Oh, okay. Let me check. I have so, it here. Simon's already read. Yeah, sorry. Of okay. the Gormenghast trilogy. So Simon's already sped, read this, and I'm falling. I'm you know being a bad, it's, bad reader. It is long. Um, there's rumored to be a film adaptation. Yeah. So um, clearly, Which, the trendsetters that we yeah, are. Yeah. So we decided that we were going to read this, and then we read on the internet that there's a film adaptation coming out. Written by Neil Gaiman, though, so it should be quite an interesting yeah, interpretation. It yeah. Be good. So, so it's kind of classic yeah. gothic. So we're going to discuss that in yeah. episode in the future some points, well, aren't we? Indeed, Which indeed. probably lead on to an episode on unlikable characters. Yeah, unlikable characters and probably unlikable narrators. Yes, exactly. So yeah. lots to look forward to and we hope we'll have a better schedule in the new year. We'll aim to be more organised. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. Bye. Bye.